You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, let's review. Josephine Baker was born into poverty in June of 1906 in St. Louis, Missouri. Life was hard, very hard. But what more could you expect for the life of a little black girl born during the height of Jim Crow into a country who didn't love her? So, she made a way out of poverty, got married as a teenager twice, and found a love for dancing and entertaining a crowd, by any means necessary. And she eventually realized that neither the United States nor her family really loved her. So she needed to find a way to find a new love, a new place to accept her. And that place was Paris, France. I'm Andre, and this is the Redacted History Podcast. And this is the story of Josephine Baker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The topic for this week's episode was voted on by my patrons over on Patreon. If you like what I do here and enjoy the show, consider becoming a patron to unlock monthly bonuses and behind-the-scenes shenanigans and malarkey. The link to the Patreon is linked below. It's patreon.com slash blackout. Now, let's get back into the show. Josephine Baker sailed to Paris in 1925 at the age of 19 years old. In a 1974 interview, Josephine credited Paris with being the place that gave her her first big break. Paris is where her star truly ascended, and she felt what love truly felt like. Yes, she was on Broadway previously in New York, but this was when she was simply a chorus girl, made to do the same moves of all the other girls. You know what a chorus girl is, where you're in a line together and you your arms are interlocked and you kick up one, two. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Josephine enjoyed life in Paris a lot. She rocked the stages and became instantly famous for being one of the first black Americans to travel to Paris. And she became widely renowned for dancing practically nude on stage. And remember, this is the 1920s. Women in the United States are just now getting the right to vote. Like prohibition is going on. It's almost illegal to drink alcohol. And Josephine is breaking every single barrier. She's a woman. She's a black woman. And she's a black woman who does not care. She became even more popular for dancing practically nude, wearing a skirt made of bananas. Simply iconic. Baker spent the rest of the 1920s entertaining the Parisians and touring the European continent. She actually became the first African-American to visit Yugoslavia. Baker went on to dabble in singing and movies. She starred in four different movies that found success in Europe. 
She was truly being immersed in everything she loved, music and animals. In 1930, she was actually gifted a pet cheetah named Chiquita, and she would take on leisurely strolls around the city with the cheetah to the excitement and um, horror of some Parisians. Paris is where she truly became the iconic sex symbol that she's remembered for today. It is rumored that at one point, she had over a thousand marriage proposals. Despite her massive star power in Paris, Josephine was not received this well at home in the past or the future, really. Time magazine, based out of New York City, referred to her as a Negro wench whose talent might be topped outside of Paris. That's just, that's just pure hating. Other critics in America said her voice was too thin and dwarf-like. Comments like these and her past experiences or lack thereof in America led to her abandoning her American citizenship and became a full citizen of France. No wonder why she left America. American audiences, and by audiences in America, I mean white, these audiences cannot conceptualize a successful black woman entertainer who spoke French being so captivating. I mean, look at America at that moment in time. It would be another 40 years before black people became free on paper. After World War I ended, instability all across Europe was created as a result. And that instability set the stage for a cataclysmic showdown just 20 years later. And this time, it would be even more devastating than the first time. Taking advantage of an economically and morally debilitated Germany, Adolf Hitler rose to power with the intentions of world domination. Over the next six years, the conflict would take more lives and destroy more land and property around the globe than any previous war. Among the estimated 45 to 60 million people killed were 6 million Jewish people murdered in Nazi concentration camps as part of Hitler's diabolical final solution, now known as the Holocaust. Hitler had long planned an invasion of Poland, which was a country that France had pledged its military allegiance to. And on September 17, 1939, Germany did just that, and the Second Great War was on. By September 1st, the German army had already annexed Austria and marched into Poland. France believed that it was protected from invasion by the Maginot Line a system of underground bunkers, munitions dumps, and power stations. It stretched across the northeastern frontier of the country. Hitler and his forces would eventually get around this line, but not for another nine months. Josephine and her comrades actually spent time at the Maginot Line, entertaining the brave troops who were commanded to guard it. For the soldiers, she sang and danced on and on, and the soldiers loved it and cheered raucously. Many of these soldiers had never been to Paris. They were from poor villages, some without electricity. But they had most certainly heard about Josephine Baker. This would be like me being in the military right now and watching a tennis match of Serena Williams. Josephine and her entertaining comrades continued to do things to keep the minds of the Parisians off the war by doing more shows and entertaining at the Casino de Paris. They say when Josephine was on stage singing, any soldier in the crowd would believe that she was singing directly to him. Josephine had grown to love her adopted country and wanted to use this opportunity while it was at war to show her gratitude and affection through entertainment. However, she would find a way to serve her new country in a much different fashion. 
And it all started with a man named Jacques Apti. Jacques was an officer working with the Dugine Bureau. Listen, if my French is off in this podcast, please forgive me. The Dugine Bureau was a French military intelligence service at the beginning of the war. His job was to enlist people who wanted to fight for France covertly for free. These people would be called honorable correspondents. It was suggested to Jacques that he give Josephine a try because they said she was more French than the French. Apti set up a meeting with Josephine to gauge whether or not this would be something that she was interested in. And let's just say that it did not take much convincing. After all, this was the same woman who had been in France for 15 years at this point. She had been there almost more time than she had been an American. And her identity was that of the Parisians. And this was the same woman who watched the St. Louis riots of 1917 in person. She watched black people have their houses burned down and be slain in the streets. Nothing could scare her. And honestly, she loved a thrill. When Jacques approached her, she said, France made me what I am. The Parisians gave me their hearts and I am ready to give them my life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Josephine was excited to get started and quickly made Apti aware of her knowledge and connections to Italian diplomats and Japanese ties to France. She had secretly and previously supported Benito Mussolini, but kept that error in judgment to herself. She had ideas to go to receptions at Italian and Japanese embassies in France to extract whatever information she could concerning the war and the movement of the Axis powers. And no one would ever bat an eye. After all, she was the most famous woman in Paris. Whenever Josephine would go to these parties to wine and dine herself amongst the rich diplomats and hide in plain sight, she would extract information and write it on the palms of her hands. Very sneaky, Josephine. Very sneaky. Sometimes she would actually write notes on the inner sleeves of her shirts and on uh, she would write coded messages and, and notes and things of that nature onto music and scorecard sheets. Towards the end of 1939, Josephine became increasingly busy performing at the casino every night, doing a radio show on the weekends, filming movies, and still spying for the French resistance. The coolest thing to me about her spying endeavors is that she would sometimes do so behind enemy lines. Towards May of 1940, the Germans continued to make their advances through Europe, and refugees flocked into Europe. Josephine would spend the little downtime that she had writing letters to soldiers in war and going to shelters to comfort refugees, make beds, and comfort whoever needed it. The worst was really yet to come in terms of the war. The Germans were going to eventually take Paris, and Jacques warned Josephine of this. He warned Josephine to pack her things and immediately get out of Paris and to go to the south of France. She instead packed her things and went to the southeast of France, but at least she got out of Paris. And on June 14, 1940, they entered the city without firing a shot. 
After the German invasion of France, she would house French refugees and provide them with visas. As an entertainer, Baker had an excuse for moving around Europe, visiting neutral nations such as Portugal, as well as some in South America. She carried information for transmission to England about airfields, harbor, and German troop concentrations in the west of France, and more information about Axis power movements. In 1941, she and her entourage went to the French colonies in North Africa. She used North Africa as a base to further tour Europe and use her celebrity as a means to continue to siphon information out of important people. She spent several years as a simultaneous spy, uh, comforter, movie star, radio star, and a dancer and entertainer. She was literally doing it all in like a three-year run. In August of 1944, let's fast forward a little bit, the German forces were retreating and the Parisians rejoiced. With the ending of the war in Paris came Josephine's return from North Africa. And it was said that at this point, she was more French than King Louis. The Parisians knew of her work and sacrifice during the war. People would tell her, it was very nice of you to save France, Josephine. For her courageous wartime service to France, she was awarded the Cross of Lorraine by General Charles de Gaulle in 1943, as well as the Legion of Honor and the Croix de Guerre in 1961. And I don't have to tell you how World War II ended, but maybe we'll get into that in another episode. In the later years of her life, activism and the fight for civil rights became a huge part of Josephine's life. In 1963, she spoke at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom to deliver a speech on her experience as a black woman and entertainer. Josephine would make more trips back to the United States during the 1950s and 60s, but refused to perform in front of segregated audiences and would demand equal treatment as an elite entertainer at the venue she went to. During her time campaigning for civil rights, she actually began to adopt children of different ethnicities. She wanted to prove that children of different races could be brothers and sisters. She raised two daughters and ten sons, and they all hailed from different countries, France, Japan, Morocco, Algeria, Ivory, Colombia, Finland, and Venezuela. Here's a quote from her speech at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. I am not a young woman now, friends. My life is behind me. There is not too much fire burning inside me. And before it goes out, I want you to use what is left to light that fire in you so you can carry on and so that you can do these things that I have done. Then, when my fires have burned out and I go where we all go someday, I can be happy. Josephine's last performance was on April 8, 1975. She died four days later on April 12th, 1975, in bed of a cerebral hemorrhage of her brain. Ironically enough, surrounding her body were newspapers, love letters, and headlines of people adoring her and speculating a potential comeback. She had been reading these love letters when she collapsed. At age 68, Josephine Baker was gone. She received a full Catholic funeral in Paris, the only African-American woman born to receive full French military honors at her funeral. Her funeral was the occasion of a huge procession. Thousands, I'm talking like 20,000 
mourners turned out for Josephine. Her last true performance. She was buried exactly 50 years to the day that she first danced on a stage in Paris in 1925. Isn't that crazy? 50 years to the day. So, how do we remember Josephine Baker? I remember her as a trailblazer way before her time. A woman with enough courage to defy the odds bestowed upon her from birth to become a superstar. Let's be honest. You're born in Jim Crow, 1906, St. Louis, Missouri. The odds are stacked against you. You're a woman as well. You're a black woman. The odds are stacked against you. And Josephine Baker was never supposed to make it. But she did. And over the course of the 68 magnificent years that she lived, she packed 10 lifetimes worth of experiences of legacy into one lifetime. She was a mother, a radio star, a movie star, a superstar, a dancer, an entertainer, a singer, and a fighter. After her death, she's been honored over the last several decades with honors such as an induction into the Hall of Missourians in 1995 and a spot on the St. Louis Walk of Fame. There has been several biographies written about her, even one written by her adopted son, Jean. She's been documented beautifully and fondly. I hate that a woman so great who lived such a magnificent and extraordinary life didn't truly get her flowers from those who mattered while she was here. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, peace. If you're still listening, I want you to know that I truly appreciate you. Let me know your thoughts with a review and a rating. It truly goes a long way. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mike Troy, host of the American Revolution podcast on the Airwave Media Network. This podcast is the origin story of the United States, how we went from colonies ruled by a king to the democratic republic that we have today. The American Revolution podcast tells the story of the revolution from beginning to end. Please subscribe for free. We're available on all major podcast platforms. I hope you will join me today on the American Revolution podcast.